With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Here we go, Rams fans, a post-victory Steve Bloomer pod, a rare and beautiful thing indeed, after handing out our own first-half three-goal masterclass against Sheffield Wednesday. That's right, another three-goal stonker on the road, but this time it was Derby taking home the three points. That followed a loss at QPR and a draw at home to Fulham, which both surely merited a little bit more. I am Richard Kutcher and to make the most of that desperately needed away day pick-me-up, I have a couple of always chirpy Rams fanboys ready to wax lyrical about the latest instalment of the wardrobe renaissance is Tom Martin. How are you babes? I'm very well thanks darling. (laughs) Very well. (laughs) That threw me. (laughs) And he's finally caught me again after stalking me around the world via a coronavirus inspired trip to South Africa. It is Anton Martin. Welcome back to the Ramshack. Hello, thanks very much. Now, I mentioned how it is rare for us to be recording straight after a victory, but it is also just as rare for us to be recording in the AM. So because we're not animals, we're not on the hard stuff, we're on the soft stuff. The pot is on and a half crescent of biscuits is out. What are we drinking, Tom? Uh, Well, in support of Yorkshire tea having been uh, pilloried in the media or on social media for uh, being used by the Conservative um, Chancellor. Chancellor. There you go, thank you. We're having a pot of Yorkshire tea and a nice digestive biscuit. Great. Yorkshire's finest and Derby were at their finest in Yorkshire on Saturday. And I tell you who else is famous for a decent brew, our good friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer and Steve Bloomer's Washings partner for the season. Well, let's get into it, chaps. An irrepressible Rams first half at Hillsborough produced a Tom Lawrence brace, a Chris Martin hat-trick of assists, and another night to remember, only slightly scarred by Wednesday's Windass consolation. Considering performances on the road have generally been improved in 2020, it's not, if not always, the results. Did you think a performance, an emphatic result like that, was coming, Tom? Yeah, I do think it has been coming. Um, the issues we've had all season away from home have been the fact that we don't seem to be able to stop conceding goals. But more recently, whilst we still have conceded the goals, uh, Bristol City, Luton, for example, both conceding three there, we have actually looked dangerous and we've created chances. And arguably, we could have scored three of our own goals in both of those games and taken points from it whereas at the beginning of the season we we weren't looking like doing that at all think Brentford think Charlton where we were lucky to get nil um so I do think this has been coming and it's nice to see that we've uh been a bit more solid in defence uh, yesterday. Still not perfect, but a lot more solid than we have been before. Um, and we're creating chances. We look good going forward at the moment. Anton, do you think there's a clear, for me, there's a clear sign at least that 
Philip Cocker's really getting to grips with this division now. Like we're actually seeing some clear tactical plans for against different opposition. He's quite open about talking, uh, talking through those plans when they've when they've gone well uh, after the match. Obviously, he's been switching Martin and Marriott around. He's just reverted back to uh, the Bird Rooney partnership. How how pleasing has it been to see a manager really thinking through his tactics for for kind of game to game? Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you can see how his tactics and his style has kind of developed over the course of the season. At, at the start, obviously. He wasn't too familiar with the league with the the style of play in England but he's learning a lot he, he, him and his coaching staff are understanding what works well in this league and you can really see that starts to come through since the turn of the year and that's really what's been the most pleasing thing for me in in the last few weeks although, although some of the results haven't been quite what we've um, been hoping for the, the performances have been much improved and, and the next couple of months are really important in, in the build-up to next season to make sure that we we continue this good run. Um, we start to implementing Koku's kind of improved tactics more and more, and, and really look forward now to next season. I think um, the real key thing for me yesterday at Hillsborough was the fact that Rooney returned to the sort of base of the midfield alongside Max Bird. Uh, it allowed Max Bird just to have that confidence to to play the passes that start creating moves and start setting up attacks for us. Um, we didn't do that so much against QPR because Rooney seemed to be playing a lot further forward. And I sort of look back since Rooney's come and I think our best away performance and certainly our most solid away performance was in the FA Cup away at Palace and it was when Rooney and Huddleston were dropping deep and pinging balls all over the place and now with Rooney I think he's definitely away from home certainly I think he's got to be playing at the base of that midfield and arguably at home as well I think that's his best position for us. I totally agree with that Um, I really like that partnership that Bird and Rooney are developing what what worked really well with that is that because Bird is so good on the ball he's a very good technical player it kind of takes the pressure off Rooney in that defensive midfield position it players don't have to look for Rooney because there is another option of, of Bird in there and the in- interchange between those two has worked quite well as well like they've played one twos in our own half or on the halfway line which has created space for the other one to then look forward and start creating opportunities. We kind of saw that a little bit with Huddleston um, when Rooney first came in, but Bird has that extra um, dimension to his game that, that he, he is a good ball winner and he's got the athleticism that Huddleston doesn't have. And it seems that that, that is what Cuckoo wants and it, and it seems to be working really well. So let's talk through those three very pleasing goals then. Ben Hamer has been coming in for a lot of stick recently and I think the main criticism of him has been more uh, about his distribution being too slow and he often misses opportunities to get us on the front foot quicker. But I'd say full credit to him yesterday because it was a quick and accurate ball out to Jaden Bogle uh, which set him off down the right wing. Uh, Bogle's first touch was excellent, took him away from his man found Chris Martin um, with a really decent ball into the box and the wardrobe just lays it off into space. I think he was actually looking for Jason Knight when he laid it off, uh, but it fell to Lawrence. He gets a shot away. It's on target, I think, but a wicked deflection gives Dawson absolutely no chance in the, in the Wednesday nets and perfect start to the match, Anton. Yeah, um, and you mentioned that goal kick from Hamer. I, I was really happy with the, the way he kind of delivered that to Bogle. We, we've sometimes got ourselves into trouble a little bit with kind of taking goal kicks too short when it's not been necessary. So having those options in the wing-back positions, uh, as well as um, kind of playing long, obviously, when, when Marriott or someone like that is playing, gives us those extra options and it starts creating that space. And it worked so well with that goal yesterday. Bogle, um, obviously, using his pace superbly, getting a great ball in. He had a really good game generally, Bogle, yesterday, which was good to see. Martin, great layoff back to his best. And I mean, it was slightly lucky with um, Lawrence's strike, but 
getting in those positions and getting shots off, things like that are going to happen. I think what's, I know it's a really obvious thing to say because when you score goals, you're obviously getting players near to the goal and into the box. But again, we've mentioned it before in the pod when Bogle's running down the line and Chris Martin just peels off to, you know, to the edge of the kind of towards the corner of the penalty box to find some space. You've got Waghorn just to his right, who's looking also for a ball down the line. And then you've got Jason Knight and Tom Lawrence within about 10 yards of, of Chris Martin. It just makes such a difference. If you've got a player like Martin, you can tell that the, the, the players around him, around him want to get up and support because they know that there's going to be drop downs, knock downs, etc of them to pick up all three of the goals that we scored yesterday were because we had lots of players in high positions sort of up the pitch uh we're winning the ball back well for the the other two goals uh and as you say for the first goal we have had men around in and around the box and i think we earned our luck um it's about time that a deflection flew into the bottom corner for us rather than flying just over we had a hat full of chances as we'll come on to against qpr where things didn't quite come off well enough and then the goal we conceded against them was uh, the first goal was certainly very fortunate for them um, so it's about time I think we, we got some luck it evened itself out a bit yesterday Lawrence has got to hit the target he does takes a deflection goes in and it starts us on the way to a very impressive first half One thing which really helped with kind of getting those players up in, in and around the box and, and the energy was, was the inclusion of Jason Knight I thought um, I think since Holmes is injury um, that is something that we have been lacking a little bit the kind of running from from deeper areas in midfield the the energy that Dwayne Holmes provides but Jason Knight came in and did really well yesterday and, and started to fill that void and that energy is infectious isn't it if you see one player doing it and pushing on then players often feel duty bound to follow them particularly on things like pressing and going forward and I don't think to be honest I think Tom Lawrence does work very hard Martin Wagon does work very hard but I'm sure that, that that energy is infectious well I've got a little funny story for you that Tom Lawrence goal that very early Tom Lawrence goal sent a friend of mine and his mates on an impromptu big night out in Derby. I think they started a session in a drinking session, of course, in London. And the game, uh, the game they were playing was to have a, a big night out, a B&O, in the town or city that scored the first goal in the 3 p.m. kickoffs. Going by his Instagram story, I think they started with some pool in the waterfall, a very, very empty, uh, quite grim-looking waterfall. And then they terrorised punters in, uh, I think, Moo Moo Club, which I'd not heard of, but apparently they got kicked out of there. So I apologise if you bumped into bumped into those uh, chaps from uh, Gloucestershire. Um, I was going to read out some of the other places they could have ended up in, but then realised that's probably a waste of time because it's simply the, the 92, isn't it? I mean, it's not... I don't have to read out places like Carlisle for you to know that that could have been, been possible. I guess let's just say I'm sure that they were very relieved when the Mansfield v Swindon and Stevenage versus Walsall matches were postponed because there's I think there's a few grim destinations they could have ended up in Tom isn't there <laughs> uh, I've been to uh, the Bescott Stadium before whatever it's called and it literally is underneath the uh, M6 flyover it's pretty grim so I can't imagine there being a good night in Walsall maybe in Birmingham but depends on how strict you're being with those rules well anyway I think they're on their way back to London now Adam so a safe journey back anyway Tom Lawrence's second and ninth of the season closing on double figures Definitely his most productive season in a Derby County shirt. Um, we need to make sure Lawrence gets praise to that excellent finish, excellent run and finish, because it was very good. But Tom, can you just talk talk me through a piece of, can I say, world-class Chris Martin play there? Oh, it was dreamy, wasn't it? I, I mean, my, my brother and I were watching it back then again this morning, just before the the pod, and it still looks on that first viewing when it comes, uh, comes in. It looks like it's a tackle, but on the reverse angle from behind the goal, you see Martin just a little flick up um, just to see where Lawrence is going, uh, and then he just reverse pass. It's 
absolutely perfect right into Lawrence and the finish from Lawrence is outstanding um but it comes from the wardrobe pressure pressing high winning the ball back is a good tackle the defender tries to kick out of him he releases Lawrence who's on uh heading forward early get, gets his head up uh takes the ball back from him and the, the reverse ball is brilliant so really impressive stuff from Chris Martin yeah great from Martin I, I think the press generally was much better yesterday it was much more cohesive as a unit we've seen earlier in the season that Koku does want to get us into a pressing game when it's right to press but often it's been one or two players going whereas yesterday it was much better it was kind of three four five players running at at the kind of Sheffield Wednesday defence I think they did make it easy for us but you, you can only beat what is what's in front of you and and we put them under pressure and created so much from winning the ball back in their, their half of the field yeah there was a couple of other opportunities I think uh, earlier on that half which came from us pressing as well and I mean to, to talk about Tom Lawrence briefly Martin makes an excellent tackle to win the ball back fairly which is obviously always a challenge sometimes for our players but Lawrence is on his toes right and he and he when he gets the ball from that tackle from Martin he doesn't he doesn't take too many touches he plays it straight away to Martin he keeps that move going and he's just so direct now Tom Lawrence and do you think the biggest change and reason for Tom Lawrence 2020 is that he's just stopped overcomplicating things and it's just stopped overplaying and just does the simple things and he seems to be playing more intelligent. Yeah, I think it's um it's something that I would always say and always would like to encourage when I'm sort of involved in sort of younger younger age group football of like quick quick passing so you take a touch and then pass again. Lawrence is often guilty of picking the ball up and then getting his head down and dribbling, beating one player, trying to beat a second player, losing it. But I haven't seen that from him uh, very often recently he's getting the ball he's then looking up he's finding a man and then he's moving himself into space the he had a great chance just before I think um, that second goal where he was then slipped through by Waghorn and he took unfortunately slightly heavy touch and then the keeper did well to save it uh, at his near post and it went out for a corner but that was classic Lawrence there he he was making the move and creating the space for himself via movement rather than trying to create the space by dribbling with the ball and it's so much more dangerous and so much more difficult to defend against uh, when he's making the movement off the ball and that's been really impressive for him. Do you think that this is a a real sign of Koku actually doing some proper coaching on the training ground? Yeah massively huge kudos to to Koku and his coaching staff for for Lawrence in particular it, it is as you mentioned Kutch earlier today and and on the previous episode I think it is the decision making that that is massively improved with Lawrence and and that can only be taught on the training ground but by kind of intensive work individually with Lawrence to tell him what, what to do in certain situations and, and we can see that massively coming through this month. I think Lawrence is a really talented player and we have rightly given him pelters and many Derby fans have done it in the past because he doesn't quite use that talent but when he has done in in the Derby shirt um, he has got phenomenal talent and we saw that earlier on the season very briefly I'd say in August um, especially against Huddersfield in the first game but this has been the most consistent and the best we've seen of Tom Lawrence it's the it's the Tom Lawrence that we saw at Ipswich Town which maybe inspired us to buy uh, him in the first place from Leicester um, and it's really really great to see and I hope he continues to build in this confidence because a player like Tom Lawrence with the quality that he has if he can do this over sort of quarter half a season is going to be really dangerous for us in the championship and if we're thinking forward to next year if he can be more consistent he's already scored nine goals this year so if he can go and improve that again next year we will be a real threat next year uh, going forward yeah if, if, he, if he keeps that kind of form on and does that for a whole season he should be looking at 15 plus 15 plus goals easy uh, in a season but two nil up 
pretty convincing, but always a dangerous scoreline and all, and all that. So how good is it, Anton, to see uh, a young Jason Knight back on the score sheet? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, it was great to see him back in, in the team um, generally. He had a really good game yesterday, lots of energy and really fantastic finish for his goal. Um, again, it was Sheffield Wednesday giving it away in their own half down to our press as, as much as their poor play great ball through from Martin slightly loose touch from Knight actually the, the first touch but made up for it superbly with that finish um, I actually thought he was going to lay it to the far post to, to Waghorn was in, who was in a bit of space but he went for the far post and, and kind of smashed it in off the post well I think it's a classic it's obviously a player playing with a lot of confidence because once he takes that kind of poor first touch, sends in a bit too wide, you think the chance for a shot is gone. But I think what you're taught as a kid is often, you know, if you if you're on that angle, just aim, just hit it hard towards that far yeah. post because if if you're quite if you're off, the keeper might knock it out, or if you, if you're even off the other way, then it might go to Wagon. He could have tapped it in, so it was just a, a good decision, right? It was just that was the, that was the percentage to play. Yeah, I think it was a good decision. I think it was a great strike, and as you say, Waghorn. The pleasing thing for me for Waghorn, I know he missed chances against QPR, which we'll come to again uh, later. He's getting in the right position, and he will start finishing those when when he sort of builds up the confidence. And the fact, my worry would be if he would wasn't in the right position. And as you say, if you actually watch back the uh, the goal from night. If the keeper does get anything onto it and puts it out, Waghorn is going to tap that in. Or it comes off the post or something. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he's in the right place and he's getting into those positions and that's what you want from a centre forward. So great finish from Knight, uh, but I'm pleased with Waghorn's link up and work. Um, this is not quite coming off in terms of goals, even though he is our top scorer of, what, 13, I think, this year. And and what you mentioned there with Waghorn was exactly what he did for, his, I, th- I think it was against Swansea when Lawrence hit the shot off the post and Waghorn was following up. He, yeah. he, he's gambling and getting in those positions, which is great to see. So I don't want to dwell on Wednesday's one goal, to be honest, too long. But it would have, would have been a boost, I think, to have kept, and I just had to check this out, our first away clean sheet in the league this season. We have not kept a clean sheet away from home this season in the league. I think we've kept three actually away in the cup or two. Scunthorpe, Palace and Northampton. That's right, yeah, across the two cups. Um, I think I think fair play to Sheffield Wednesday. They did put the pressure on second half and I think the goal came from, they moved the ball really quickly um, out uh, wide to the right-hand side before putting a, cr- a good cross in. But Tom, has Matt Clark got to do a bit more there to be first to first at that ball? I thought he was a bit on his heels and it just seemed a bit lazy. I think you, you can't necessarily blame Clark. I think you blame the centre-back unit perhaps because you've got got three centre-backs in there we seem to change the shape when uh, Davis came on and if you notice that Clark drops in quite deep and for me is in the right position to try and cut out the near post and maybe Forsyth should get across to the uh, cross a bit quicker and therefore try and block the cross but Clark is in the right position uh, just in front uh, by the near post but there's no one behind Clark and Davis and Wisdom are both 10-15 yards away uh, on the edge of the box and for me it's left to Clark to try and deal with and he doesn't deal with it well enough and Hamer sort of comes and gets left in no man's land it's not a pretty goal to concede but you can pick sort of issues out with the defending all over the place I wouldn't necessarily lay the blame at one individual like Clark but there are a few few people who could have done a bit better for that goal but pleasingly we dealt with the the threats from set pieces very well yesterday yeah. lots of big headers out of the box um, lots of big clearances and decisive action uh, which we haven't always seen in the Derby County backline I think fair to say this is definitely up there with our best performances and results of the season definitely our most emphatic away win of the three it's always tempting to ask after defeats Anton what we think Koku has learned but what lessons do you think the gaffers learned from a performance like that going forward what what does he take away as some of the maybe are there more guaranteed starters in that team or the tactics what what do you think would be the, the main takeaway I think he'll definitely be encouraged about 
how we're attacking much more as a unit and, and kind of running off um, that whoever plays in that, in that lone striker position. There'll be certain individuals, certainly Lawrence and um, Max Bird and Jason Knight, who he'll be looking to next season as regular starters and, and players that can really drive the club forward. So there's definitely, definitely signs of encouragement and he'll be pleased that we won't need such a big overhaul of the squad in the summer as as we thought we might have done earlier in the season there are there are certainly some players which we do need to replace and and some positions which we will need to improve on but there's definitely signs for encouragement there as well I do think there are uh, signs for encouragement the the biggest worry that I think we've really got is the fact that we just concede so many goals and that really needs to be worked on as I mentioned at the beginning of the pod we're now improving because we're scoring goals away and we look dangerous going forward uh, which we should do with the quality of players that we've got um, but I think we've conceded 36 goals in 18 away games this season which is two a game is way too many That's awful, you, isn't it? You, you're never going to win <laughs> games away from home um, by conceding that many goals and, and that needs to be the next thing so we've obviously I think we just we said about Koku and his team working very well coaching uh, going forward and Tom Lawrence is really showing that um, there now needs to be some real sort of focus on that defensive work and I'd really like to see couple of clean sheets over the next few weeks and and solid clean sheets not just like we've got lucky because Hamer or Vuce or whoever's in goal has, has had a blinder um, where we look comfortable and, and don't really ever look like conceding during that 90 minutes. That, that was the one disappointment from yesterday having dominated the first half in the way that we did and going in 3-0 at half time I, I would have said that the coaching staff would have said the top priority is to keep a clean sheet here. Yeah I think what's uh, what my main takeaway probably is and I think we've probably known this for a few weeks now I'd be very surprised if we see Bogle and Max Lowe start in the same game. I think he's definitely decided that only one of them can play uh, at a time, whether that's when we bring Davis in, um, uh, Davis in uh, into centre-back and move Wisdom to right-back. I think, for example, we did it against Fulham, I think purely because he wanted Davis to look after Mitrovic, and we'll come on to that a bit later. And Craig Forsyth, obviously, is, is a bit more solid defensively than, than Max Lowe, although I did think Max Lowe actually had quite a good game against QPR, and I thought he, he got back to his defensive best. So I think that's what I think we'll see. I, I'd be surprised if we see Bogle and Lowe starting in the same matches, barring injury, possibly just at home. But even then, I think he's just got too many question marks over them defensively. Anyway, I think, as ever, we asked you, our listeners, on social media for your five-word reviews of the match. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod and on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Steve Bloomer's Washing. But to uh, start off, you didn't disappoint with your five word reviews and we can't read them all out. But thank you for sending them in. On Twitter, Mark Smith said, cut the mistakes, win away. Julian Gerson, Gerson said, love me some Chris Martin. Nick Vanderbirch said, should have won by five. Daniel Warwick had a lovely message. He said, Tom Lawrence with a smile. Kieran D92. Did someone say February curse? Rudders continues the positivity with Koku Ball is here to stay. And Ramarina said Martin doesn't need to score. And we had a few messages on our Facebook page as well. Yeah, Matt Reed, Owls routed, what a hoot. See what we did there. James Martin went with time to stop hating Tom Lawrence. That's six words, but I'll let you off. <laughs> oh, you're right. I hadn't even spotted that. So me and James are both equally at fault for that one. <laughs> um, and Mark Andrew Coote said Derby's first half 
Cocku Ball Masterclass. I presume Cocku Ball is probably one word, so we'll let you off with that one. Thank you as ever for those. After the break, we will discuss whether Chris Martin deserves and will get a new contract in the summer if Cocku's comments about Bogle have started to have the desired effect and the relief of avoiding our worst away form season in 15 years. This could be Derby's last chance of an equaliser. Ball pockets for them with a cross. Jones stretches and it's in! What a finish! Mikel Beck in the dying seconds of stoppage time has given Derby a point and there's the final whistle. It's all over. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Obviously, we can't read out all of the five-word reviews, but a lot of them on Saturday did mention a certain new contract for Chris Martin. He's obviously one of the biggest earners at the club, and I think even the biggest Wardrobe 2.0 fans would agree giving him that new contract under McLaren when he was on loan at Fulham has not really paid off in, in the great scheme of things. But he has he has definitely shown again uh, on Saturday that he still has a lot to offer this team and, and Derby County as a football club. Tom, I think you're uh, officially general secretary of the CN19 official fan club, right? So you presumably you'd give him another year or two? Yeah, I mean, don't forget you have got badges and uh, <laughs> and posters of him in your room, Kutch. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting, isn't it? I guess I've, I think he's a really talented player and he clearly is a, a, an important link-up. And I think if he will accept some terms which are good for the Derby as a club financially, um, I certainly would keep him. But... I, I don't think we should be breaking the bank to keep him. Whereas I think when we offered him the contract when he was at Fulham, um, there was definitely let's try and get him back. And I think maybe we did break the bank then uh, to try and keep him. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a bit in in sort of in two minds on it. I do think he would be a useful addition to us, but I do think equally could get rid of his wages off the wage bill and find somebody else who might be younger, uh, a bit of a different sort of type of player to to Chris Martin uh, next year. I mean, look, I think surely, I think it's a given that he'd have to accept reduced terms wherever he ends up, right? Whether it's at Derby County or whether it's at another club, he's not going to be demanding the same wage. I'm not exactly sure how much it is, but I think it is one of the top, top earners at the club. I wouldn't, if he did stay, I wouldn't expect him to be first choice striker next season. I think we would have, we would have had a really bad, another bad summer if that was the case of us having to rely on Chris Martin up front. But it looks like he has accepted the role of a squad player and you, you do need players like that if you're going to compete through a whole season. So, Anton, who would you rather see leave in the summer? Would it be uh, Jack Marriott for a £3 million fee or Chris Martin leaving on the free transfer? <laughs> um, that is a, a very tough question. We, we've seen that Koku does like to rotate his strikers depending on the type of team we're playing. And we know that both of those strikers offer very different options up. Up front, Chris Martin obviously is great at holding up the ball, bringing other players into into play. But Marriott does give a different dimension to the team, so that we can have that direct ball over the top. I mean, to to push myself to make a decision, I, I think money wise, it would probably make sense to to get rid of Marriott if if we can agree a, a much reduced um, wage for Chris Martin and get the money from Marriott and then bring in someone that, that Koku has chosen as someone that will fit, fit into his system, that would probably make more sense. But yeah, it, it's, it's a tough one. I think, I think we're definitely crying out for a new striker. And I think what I'd love to see, and I don't know if this person exists, but uh, I'd love to see Koku pull out a, a gem 
from Holland or somewhere, which is basically a young Chris Martin, but maybe more mobile. Well, it has to be a bit more mobile. You know, I want someone that he, he, he likes having a kind of large target man who can hold up the play, good of his feet, bring other players in. That's what Chris Martin has been doing in spurts when he, when he has been available. Surely that's the kind of player that Philip Cock is looking for. Yeah, I think Martin's had a good season. He scored uh, eight goals, uh, six assists this season as well. So he's had a decent season for us, but he hasn't always been consistent over the last two or three. Um, in terms of Marriott, he's obviously had a poor season. Um, I think just the one goal against Bristol City back in August, he's obviously going through a difficult time. And he's obviously not fit as well, which is a which is a bit of an issue for uh, for Marriott. So is it time for Marriott to, to maybe move on? If Peterborough get promoted, could you see him going back to Peterborough? If we can get the three million for him, which is more than what we paid, I think, yes, I'll be taking that. But I do think we need another option because for me, Waghorn and Martin are both similar types types of players and therefore like you're going to end up with a bit of a one-dimensional attack I think Marriott offers something slightly different even if he's not playing brilliantly this year that that is a, a key question how how much do you think we'd get for Marriott because he he's only scored once this season he, he he struggled kind of in large parts last season as well would someone pay three million for him he's clearly a talented player and he's clearly got the ability that finish against Bristol City was phenomenal like the the turning side and then the, the curling strike into the top corner all the hallmarks of a good player uh, and it is there somewhere but at the moment he, either he or the club cannot get him fit uh, and he can't keep him fit for long enough and therefore if he can't play because he's not fit enough he's basically useless for us I feel like the, the time he'll have a really great championship season is when he's in a team uh, which is which is playing well playing attacking football and he's one of three good options up front and he can be rotated in a, in a kind of less pressure way at the moment like he's having to be chucked in and, and we are expecting to perform whenever he comes in and you know I'm not one of his biggest fans but he, it's hard if you play a game here a game there he comes in against QPR and he was he was poor to be honest he didn't really offer us anything we didn't play the ball over the top uh, but I didn't really see him offering us much and then Chris Martin comes in and makes a massive impact so it's, it's hard on Marriott to make an impact if he's not playing regular games but then he doesn't always help himself by not been available so anyway it's one to watch I do think striker is, is a really interesting situation in the summer because of the different situations around Martin around Marriott and obviously we, we just need some refreshing there but for me one of the really promising parts of Saturday's win over Wednesday despite uh, apart from Lawrence and apart from Martin as we've discussed was um was Bogle's return to the side really and a, and a confident positive performance that reminded everyone of his threat and quality going forward which made him so effective last season it's always been his defensive work that has been in question and criticized and but I think since January barring obviously the Stoke City Thunder Bastard I think his forward play hasn't been as that effective either Koku took the unusual step to pick him out for criticism after the Huddersfield Town match in which he came off the bench and was at least partly at fault for their late equaliser after the match Koku said quote it was bad defending it's never one mistake or bad judgment but the clearance with the header by Bogle it was a very easy header but he gives it away then he doesn't push him to the outside or go to the inside it's just basic for me it confirmed he was maybe upset he didn't play but you have to put your ego aside and when your teammates need you you have to be 100% focused in the game so it was obvious it was not good enough from his side I don't think confidence is a problem with Jaden. he is a ripe fullback with a lot of potential going forward but he has to learn that if you are a defender you have a big responsibility towards a team to defend end quote I certainly raised my eyebrows when I read those comments at the time and I think to be honest I think they actually got a little bit lost in the whole Ramage Gate fallout and understandably so 
Saturday against Wednesday was the first start, uh, his first start since those comments from Koku. Uh, he was an unused substitute against Fulham uh, uh, when I think Koku wanted to Curtis Davis to play against Mitrovic. So Wisdom went to right back and he came off the bench against QPR in midweek. It was Rooney's ball to Bogle, which uh, led to their winner. And that, that was not Bogle's fault at all. Tom, what, what did you think about Koku uh, calling Bogle out there? And how do you feel about managers uh, doing that publicly more generally I think this there's clearly has been some criticism of Bogle behind the scenes because he's not had a great season and we've we've criticized him on the pod defensively and also going forward uh, as you alluded to a second ago and it's clear there's not been a response it's really frustrating watching Derby because we've got two very good right backs I think but two very different right backs but both of them make mistakes or come into the side and then then do something that's not quite good enough and therefore they need to be rotated and Bogle was so consistent last year and in his breakthrough season he's not managed the same thing this year maybe he's not listening and it's it comes down to very much it sounds like attitude and application rather than talent and if he's not putting the work in and maybe he's not putting the work in behind the scenes in the training ground Cocker will have spoken to him and if he hasn't responded he needs to make that more public because it's clear that sometimes a player needs to kick up the backside and it works for some and it doesn't work for others and if it's worked for Bogle because he's then taking him out of the the firing line for a couple of games and then he's brought him back in and he's had a really good performance so for me it looks like it's been an effective certainly in the short term effective piece of management Bogle really was a golden child last season um, under Lampard and that approach obviously worked for him uh, at the time but Philip Cocky must have seen something Anton in training or on match days that told him perhaps he needed that that kick out the backside as, as Tom mentioned yeah so we obviously don't know what's gone on behind the scenes I'm, I'm sure Koku and the team have been working with Bogle and kind of guiding him um, as they will with all the young players on on how to improve, how to get the most out of their performances. So we don't know the conversations that have gone on. Maybe they've had individual talks, maybe they've talked within the team and maybe that hasn't worked. So Koku has made the decision to go public with it to see if that's worked. As Tom says, in the short term, that that's obviously worked because um, he, he had a much improved performance against Sheffield Wednesday. And we, we mentioned Koku's man management in the first first part of this with, with Lawrence. And I think he's showing signs that he is a really good man manager and and I've got full trust in in what Koku does with that if he feels that going public is the best thing to do with Bogle then then I'm all for it so I agree with what you're saying there Anton as well um Kutch you posed a really interesting question about Martin and Marriott would you sell Jaden Bogle for let's put a figure of eight million there because that was bandied via the newspapers in order to reinvest in a, a striker who might be better a goalkeeper a centre-back a winger or whatever we might need is someone like Jaden Bogle dispensable is not quite the word I want to use but could we sell him in order to reinvest better in that squad and would you do that this summer I think the brutal truth is that an academy is there for two reasons one to put players into the first team and supplement the first team the other was to raise a lot of money and Jaden Bogle is, is the academy player, the, the latest academy player that is, is kind of most sellable and most ready to be sold, you'd say. Like he's already given two, he will have given two full seasons to Derby. And yeah, eight million is probably a, a reasonable figure. I think before Christmas, uh, when people said eight million, I think we all were like, that's not enough. But I think we've seen his form dip, so maybe eight million is fair. He's a young player. He's inconsistent. Like his his career could still go two ways. He could become a, a, a excellent Premier League right back, or he could end up just just and I don't want to say just because Championship right back is still a very good career. Um, but he could just be a Championship right back. So considering our financial situation, we probably do need to raise funds. He's alongside Tom Lawrence. If Tom Lawrence had a really really good end of the season and continued this form, he would be probably quite sellable. Not necessary to the Premier League, but to another higher up Championship team, possibly just relegated. 
I probably would consider selling Jaden Bogle at this point for £8 million because I think we need to reinvest. I wouldn't want to. We have got another right back in, in Andre Wisdom, but £8 million for, for Bogle would, would go some way to helping improve the rest of the squad. So I'd definitely be open to that. I think Bogle's still probably got a lot to give in a Derby shirt. And if we can kind of carry on developing him, then we could be looking at 15, 20 million in a, in a year's time. So it kind of depends on, on the financial situation. We know that a lot has been going on off the field with FFP. If, if we do need some funds now um, in order to kind of create money for, for other signings, then it's definitely a good option. I would like to see us developing further and then um, maybe sell him in, in a couple of years if, if necessary. Obviously, if, if we go up to the Premier League, then, then keep him. We, we almost don't want another Will Hughes situation where we end up selling Will Hughes, who for me is one of the most talented players I've seen in a Derby shirt in the last sort of 20 years, 25 years, and come through the academy for a basic pittance. Like five million really in this modern day and age is not very much. And also he's now not really playing too much in the, the Watford side. So it's yeah, it is interesting. And I do think if a side comes in with a decent offer for Bogle, it could be one to one step back to make two steps forward, and that's potentially something we might have to discuss uh, over the summer. Yeah, agree. I, I don't. I don't want to be too harsh actually on Jaden Bogle. I re, I still really love Jaden Bogle as a player, and as I mentioned in the last pod, he's still very young. You know, just because he had one very good season last season and played forty plus matches doesn't mean that he's not immune to the ups and downs of a young player making their way in the game. And this was always going to happen at some point. So I'm glad we got Philip Cocker there because I think he's the right manager to to guide him through that. And hopefully, we don't need to sell him, and he's and he's plays another forty games plus for Derby next season but there were another two matches since we last got a podcast out so let's briefly digest the 1-1 draw with Fulham first I was there uh, at Pride Park on the Friday night and despite it being awful weather and really quite windy inside uh, Pride Park I thought it was a game of of decent quality actually even if most of the good chances at both ends were created in the second half Anton how warm inside did uh, Wayne Rooney's penalty make you feel? (laughs) <laughs> I, I never thought I'd see the day when Wayne Rooney was scoring a Penenka for Derby County. <laughs> it was, it's class, isn't it? I mean, uh, just the audacity to do that. And that's clearly the, the quality that Wayne Rooney has had and does still have just the confidence to do it. And I would got back from America in the morning, so I was not at the game uh, with Kutch, but I uh, was watching it. And the, the commentator goes, Rooney always says he gets nervous before penalties. And then he does that and you're like... Fair play. That's who, was, who was the Palace player? Was it Knockhart? Who? Um, sorry, Fulham player. Was it Knockhart that was giving him uh, yeah, abuse yeah, from was. behind? Yeah. <laughs> but interestingly, Rooney said Rooney in his comments after said he, he's never done that or, or even tried it. So it was just something completely new. Um, obviously, knows the keepers do a lot of. Um, research. Kind of research about where players generally go. So I he, think that's, that's a really good point, actually, Anton. Because and this might be classic naive football fans overthinking things or overanalyzing things. But for me, obviously, I enjoyed the moment. I thought it was brilliant. And my first thought then was, that's great because the last penalty he took for Derby, he nailed it into the bottom left, keeper's right corner. And the keeper, that's where the keeper went uh, against him uh, for Fulham. Um, but now he's done this thing. He's, he's, you know, he's dinked it down the middle. And now you know, he's got the keeper's guessing again. He doesn't know what he's, what he's going to do next time around. So I feel like it's almost like he's looking forward into the future. He's not just playing today's game. He's playing next game and the game after as well. As both of us are goalkeepers, Kutch, and like, you have very little time to react to a, to a penalty. I think it's less than a second. So goalkeepers often make a decision as to where they're going judged based on the uh, angle and positioning of the, the player's body. And someone like Rooney has got the ability to to mask that as much as possible and he's got the technique to 
to delay and to make it not obvious, well, not make it obvious where he's going. So, so yeah, I do think as long as the penalty is hit hard enough, the goalkeeper is never going to have a have a chance. If it's put in the corner, no matter how good the goalkeeper is, you're going to struggle to to save it. So yeah, great penalty, great technique, really yeah. exciting player. Unfortunately, obviously, it wasn't the winner. I, at the time, I thought it was. I thought we were going to go on and win that game. We probably should have done. I thought Curtis Davis actually did another pretty effective job uh, on Mitrovic at Pride Park during the majority of the match. Unfortunately, not quite all of it. But, you know, Mitrovic, he only needs half a chance to get on the score sheet. Could we have done more to keep a clean sheet against Fulham, Tom? I thought both Davis and Wisdom were potentially culpable. Again, half culpable most for the uh, Mitrovic goal. The ball comes across the box quite a long way. Uh, And Davis, I think, is in front. And Wisdom is certainly to the... uh, very close to uh, Mitrovic and Mitrovic sort of gets a foot around it and it's a fantastic finish it's not even really a half chance I don't think it's almost a quarter of a chance and for me I think just a bit more sort of on the front foot Wisdom or Davis could well have made it more difficult or got the ball away Um, so it was kind of disappointing I was expecting a a real siege from Fulham and it didn't come Uh, and I agree Kutch I think we should have won that and held that out 1-0 I think although it's another cross that we've conceded we were actually a bit unlucky because i thought it was actually not a great cross it was seemed to be behind everyone we were a bit unlucky the fact that they were both on their heels a little bit but they wouldn't have been expecting the ball to go there it's a really good finish from Mitrovic he's kind of turned around it he's kind of flicked it into the corner so I mean that's just what a 25 million pound striker I mean it should be illegal that he's playing in the championship really shouldn't (laughs) it yeah yeah yeah. But I think that's what people would say about Wayne Rooney as well. Um, one, one of the reasons I asked earlier, we won't talk about the Flojo miss, let's just not bother, but one of the reasons I asked earlier whether that away performance against Wednesday was imminent was uh, having been at Loftus Road in midweek, uh, although we lost and we were frustrated in patches, it wasn't a great performance. We did create a lot of chances and we do look like scoring goals and threatening teams now on the road. But again, we didn't clear from a set piece properly and second phase leads to a goal. Uh, all too familiar, as usual, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we got we got back into the match through an excellent uh, waghorn header from a corner, starting to look more threatening ourselves from set pieces. I think Max Bird and Wayne Rooney's really improved that, that part of our game. But it was a poorly judged Wayne Rooney crossfield ball looking for Jaden Bogle that set up QPR's winner through Ilias Chair. Uh, great name. Anton, was that Rooney's first major mistake in a Derbyshire? And, and will we ever forgive him? Certainly, certainly the first mistake which has led to a goal. I mean, he, he's definitely has given the ball away at other times and it just hasn't led to a goal. So it's not been as high profile. I think we can forgive him for having um, one goal leading error um, in his kind of two months so far at the club Um, it happens when you're spraying balls across the field like that 50 yards away sometimes you get it a bit wrong Um, I mean it was unfortunate what we should have done is defend better once we'd given it away that's really the the key point from that goal he's still got 60 or 70 yards to travel and he beats Shinny who's the only player he actually beats by skipping around him for me Shinny Esther should just take him down take the booking I think that would have been the, the better decision then then he's running back and I think Wisdom and Clark and perhaps Davis I can't remember all taken out just by that movement inside when he beats Shinny Bird then is right on his back clip his heels mate take him down take the booking for the team he's then able to get the pass off easily and Hamers gets gets beaten at his near post. It's poor goalkeeper. It looks like he hasn't got any hands. Like he go, seems to go with it with his face. I don't know what happens there. So there are there are a catalogue of errors. Rooney giving it away. Then Shinny perhaps should do better with the tackle. Um, Bird should be a bit more professional and take take the man down. And Hamer should not be getting beaten by that shot. So there was uh, there was actually funny enough you talk about obviously Bird should have taken him down. There was a, a moment I think it was in the first half 
um, when uh, they, they similarly were breaking on us and Rooney made an excellent professional foul. He took the booking and I described it to Chris at the time as a world-class booking because it's just, that's something that we're we're not doing enough of at the moment. Like Again, it probably comes from having a young team and quite naive, but Shinny should know better. Shinny should have made that tackle, uh, whether it fairly or taking him down. Bird, uh, learning curve for him. It's something I want to see more of. I, I, just, I think I like more than seeing your own team commit a really cynical professional foul to stop a breakaway because you know I think Guardiola's teams are, are well known for committing lots and lots of fouls in, in those kinds of positions or early on when they first be, beat the press. Uh, so it's something that we need to learn a bit more about and hopefully, hopefully that will come. Tom, two away wins in February. You told me earlier that was our only wins in February. So we didn't win anything at home in February, but we won two on the road. And that suggests we have turned a bit of a corner away from home. But the win against Wednesday only ensured we will at least match our worst away record in a season since George Burley's Derby County's 2003-2004 season when we collected 14 points on the road and we've now collected 14 points on the road this season uh, prior to Wednesday what do you think what do you think's been going wrong there's been a few things defensively individual mistakes uh, we can take those back to a number of goals the the one that really sticks out for me is the the goal against Forest where we're watching the the replay of the previous Forest chance and then suddenly the ball's in the back of the derby net it happened so quickly um time and time again we've been a bit naive defending and we just talked about it there with Bird perhaps taking people uh, down and I think a few times as well we start the game quite nice we, we control possession and we look fairly comfortable without maybe creating anything more recently Bristol City I think QPR uh, being two examples of those uh, even Luton I would say a couple of weeks ago as well when myself and Chris were there it always seemed that we just had to score and get ourselves in front and then we would be be fine and as soon as we did against Luton we then collapsed and it was it was just mad sort of watching it so it's not being able to put that game and put that performance in for 90 minutes and not getting ourselves and taking the chances that we've had against QPR I think Clark had a good chance uh, Waghorn arguably could have had three maybe yeah. four on, a, on a, a fortunate day um, and yeah if we take the chances we'll start score we'll start winning games and that's not what we haven't done so far this season. I think a lot of it is also psychological. We we hadn't won for so long on the road that you kind of even if you take the lead, you start thinking oh, we're going to concede at some point, and and it just starts getting both the players and the crowd a little bit edgy, and it means you're more likely to concede. Hopefully, now off the back of these two wins in February, we've turned the corner. The, the performances have certainly improved, and we know that we can win on the way. We can we, we can score on the road, and hopefully that will lead to a more balanced home and away record going Tom, forward. We, we touched on it earlier, but is, is the Bird-Rooney axis, is that is that the solution, really, away from home? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, we were talking about that for, for the positives from the Wednesday game, and I think that was one of the reasons why we, we weren't able to hold the game out against QPR or hold a point against QPR on, on Wednesday night. So yeah, I think Bird-Rooney at the base of the midfield, it just adds a bit of solidity, and I think that's that's an improving partnership, and I think that's really important. There are some similarities to that 03-04 team new manager George Burley at the time Cocker obviously now implementing a new style losing some of our star players obviously Mount and Wilson this year and King Cladzi and Ravanelli are gone from that that sort of 0304 and not really being able to replace them properly because of the financial problems we had at the time so there are similarities there but there's a very big difference and the fact that that Derby team in 0304 
didn't score goals. They scored 14 all season away from home. Uh, we've now scored 21 away from home already and we've got four or five games left to go. So I think there's a lot more positives about this uh, Derby team. And there is one thing, one cause for optimism. Christopher Hill on Twitter said, well, look at the season after that, following the 03-04 season, which obviously Burley took us to the playoffs. So One of the best Derby footballing teams of the last 20 years. Yeah, excellent side. So hopefully we can see a bit of history repeating itself and maybe, unlike that time, we'll go all the way. Yes, hope so. Well, we also put out on Twitter before the Sheffield Wednesday game a question asking how many more points we'll pick up before the end of the season. And I think it was telling that uh, before the Wednesday game, I think the, the most of the predictions were pretty pretty pes- pessimistic. But if you take into uh, if you take the, the Wednesday victory on Saturday into account, we now have 48 points from 36 matches. I'll go first, going down the remaining fixtures. I've got, I think you're going to laugh at this, but I'm going to say we'll collect home wins against Blackburn, Reading and Brentford. Home draws against Forest and Leeds. So I don't think we're going to lose again at home this season. And I think we'll collect an away win at Preston. You know, Preston are going to have to come out and attack us. They're trying to get into the playoff places. The pressure will be on them at home. I think we'll beat Cardiff City away to make it a Wales double. Uh, Cardiff seem like they're in a right mess. I think they had a fight on the the two of their players got in a scuffle on the pitch um, at full time on Saturday. That would give us then 17 more points and leave us with 65 possibly optimistic but that would have us that would have us finishing 10th or 11th based on last season and probably more importantly that would have been 25 points above the relegation zone although the relegated teams this year will have much higher points total so probably maybe only 15 points above the relegation zone Anton where are we going to be collecting points in our remaining matches and what will our final points total be so I'm I'm a little bit more level-headed with my (laughs) predictions despite the sensational performance yesterday I've actually gone for 10 points in total Um, it's a really tough run in and I, I I think hopefully our, our performances will kind of carry on being improved, but it is a very tough running and there are a lot of good teams that we will be playing against. Um, there are a couple of differences with, with the specific games I wanted to call out. So Preston away is a very tough one. You've gone for a win in that. Um, their home form is very good. So I can't see us I'll getting much out of that. I'll wait for February's um, Brent, Brentford at home as well. Um, they're, they're a very good team and they'll be potentially pushing for the automatic spots so that'll be a very tough game as well Leeds and Forest I've, I've agreed that we'll probably get a draw hopefully we, we don't lose and maybe even pick up three points with those but yeah overall 10 points from the remaining games which puts us on 58 I think that leaves us in trouble 10 points well, that'd be 58 points you're not going to get relegated with 58 points uh, if you get a points deduction you might yeah, true, but we haven't got a points deduction at the moment. Yes, Let's talk yeah, about what's yeah, what's yeah. happening. So I think 58 points would be fine. I've, I'm a bit more uh, optimistic. I actually think we might hopefully go on a nice little run. We beat Blackburn. Um, they're they're sort of functional, but I think if we score score first, we'll beat Blackburn on a uh, in our next game. Next they, they've game. been much improved though, Blackburn of yeah. late. Um, it, it'll be a tough game than than what everyone expects. Yeah, I agree, and I actually remember saying at the beginning of the season that Blackburn were my like dark horse shout for the playoffs, and I do think they're on a on a good run. But I do think Derby are, Derby are strong at home, and I think that's why we'll get that one. But you say strong at home, we didn't win at home in February. Oh, I mate, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> it's my mind. I can say what I want. <laughs> You can go back to South Africa. Um, just because I haven't seen Derby win away all season, I quite fancy a win at Millwall. Um, the time before I thought, oh, I'm not going to go to Millwall ever again, I made the call on the uh, 
on the on the day and then Craig Bryson scored a hat-trick so I'm I'm hoping for the same sort the of good, uh, the good news is Tom that I won't be at the middle game so yeah. there's a good chance he will be seeing a victory there's real real positives there Definitely. but um, there's real Reading are really awful so I've gone for a win there I think we'll get a draw at Preston we'll probably lose to Forest lose to West Brom draws with Brentford and Cardiff uh, and then a loss to Leeds I think Leeds are going to carry on their relentless march to the Premier League unfortunately I can't see them slipping up now uh, and then I think a, a win at Birmingham away. So that would make us 63 points with 15 points being picked up. Uh, four wins, three draws. Yeah, I'm really worried that we're going to see Leeds get promoted at uh, at Pro Park on the penultimate day of the season. So if... To see them get relegated next year, it's fine. Yeah, God. yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so yeah, a bit of mixture there. Uh, optimism from me, pessimism from Anton and some dull realism from Tom. Uh, okay, gold a month time. Uh, and again, it, it, we get month by month, we're getting better. We're getting options. Sponsored by the Brewery Tap in Derby. Anton, you've taken the lead on this one for us. So what final three have you come up with? Yeah, so as you say, plenty to choose from this month. It was a, a tough tough call to make a final three. A um, couple of honourable mentions for, for Rooney's Penenko and Jason Knight's finish yesterday against I'm, I'm Sheffield amazed, Wednesday. I'm amazed you haven't put the Penenko in the final <laughs> But it three. is a penalty at the end of the day. Honourable yeah. so, um, mention, honourable mention. Um as we've mentioned throughout the podcast, it has been a bit of a, a Tom Lawrence show um, during February. And actually, not deliberately, all three of my final picks are Tom Lawrence goals. So the first one against Swansea, um, the, the winner actually in, in the away game against Swansea. Really nice kind of press from, from the team. Bird wins the ball back. Great driving run. Bit of an exchange with the Waghorn. And, and Lawrence hits a great swerving effort. A bit reminiscent of... Harry Wilson's against Swansea last season. Um, also, the context of that game um, is, is really great. Second one against Huddersfield, short corner um, play to Lawrence, a good 20 to 25 yards out, and he hammers it into the top corner. And then the final one as an option is the goal yesterday for Tom Lawrence against Sheffield Wednesday. The, def- the, def- the deflected one. <laughs> we, we've already covered it, so I won't go into too much detail. But the second one where where little exchange with Martin. Uh, Martin's reverse pass to Lawrence and a, and a lovely finish into the far corner. So I'll, I'll let you two go with your picks first. Tom, Tom, what do you think out of those three? It's actually quite a tough one because, uh, as you say, the context of the Swansea goal is important and that for, therefore makes it a, a, a better goal, I think. But I think the keeper should do better and save that. So I'm going to discount that one. Chris Martin's reverse pass makes me feel very warm and fuzzy inside. So, uh, But the, the quality of the strike against Huddersfield, it's absolute top bins, isn't it? Straight into the top corner. Goalkeeper doesn't move and no one's saving that. So I'm going to go the Huddersfield goal. Okay, so yeah, I kind of agree with you on the Swansea goal. I think a great move, context, but keepers had an absolute shocker. I think I want to go for the uh, second goal yesterday against Wednesday because... It's showing this. It's demonstrating that side of Tom Lawrence that uh, we're we're pleased to see, which is more direct, um, you know, nice, yeah, proper, nice finish uh, into the bottom corner. Takes his time. Build up play with Chris Martin is excellent as well. I mean, the ten, obviously the best technical goal is definitely the the goal um, against Huddersfield from the, from the corner. Nice move. But I'm going to go with the Sheffield Wednesday second goal. So Anton, you casting vote. As much as I loved the assist from Chris Martin yesterday, great awareness, great reverse pass into Lawrence and lovely finish. It does have to be the Huddersfield goal for me. We've known that Lawrence has that in his locker, but we've rarely seen it. Um, and for it to come off in, in such spectacular fashion was, was, was great to see. It was clearly a training ground move as well with a short corner. 
and it was absolutely unstoppable. So, so the the Steve Bloomer's washing goal of the month, sponsored by the Brewery Tap, is Tom Lawrence versus Huddersfield. Congratulations, Tom Lawrence, Super Tom Lawrence, uh, for all three efforts in the mixer and the winner, the goal against Huddersfield, making it your Platic Trophy, is in the post. We do just have time for a bit of numbers trivia, I believe, from our own Tom. So, Tom, uh, what have you got? What have you got? What have you got in store for us? Well, I've got five questions for you, gentlemen, uh, relating to Derby County knowledge and trivia and information over the past sort of few seasons. So, testing you guys out on that. Uh, what you've got to do is you've got to guess your answer, write down the number, keep it to yourself, and then if you can get the total number, and we'll reveal all at the end. The person who's closest will win the points. Right. The first question is: uh, Chris Martin has returned to form this season. Uh, but how many goals has he scored in the championship and how many goals has he assisted in the championship this so, season this season so 2019 2020 how many goals in total has chris martin been involved in either scoring or assisting this season yeah. moving on from that first one um the second one jason knight scored a goal yesterday for derby county um it's not his first one but how many career goals does jason knight have in league and cup professional yeah professional career goals the corresponding game week last season was a pretty miserable one. Derby lost 4-0 against Aston Villa and we had a rather torrid time on the train back and then did a quite therapeutic pod afterwards. Um, after that game, how many points did Derby have in the league? I thought you were going to say how many pints did we drink on the train <laughs> It's about the same. When was that, sorry? 2nd of March 2019, how many points did Derby County have in the league? Right. So if you can subtract the current season points from last season's points at the same time, so whatever number you just had, minus the current season point, what number do you get? Your final question. Derby played at Sheffield Wednesday yesterday at Hillsborough. What was the attendance? Oh, nice. Big number. That ruins, basically makes the rest of it irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what we'll do is we'll uh, give a point for everyone, whoever's closest to each one, and then the total number will be our tiebreaker. I guess that's the fairest way to do it. So Chris Martin has had a bit of a turn to form this season. He has scored seven championship goals this season and has assisted six. So your answer is 13. Yeah, I put six assists and only four championship goals. He's got seven championship goals. Seven championship goals this season. I only put three goals. So I had 10, you had nine. Six assists. So yeah, yeah. Kutch Kutch gets the point then. Right, so Kutch won, Anton nil. Jason Knight scored his fourth goal of his professional career. Four. I got wow. four as well. So, cut 2-1. Last season, we were seventh in the league at this time, and we had 51 points last oh, season. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I should have stuck with my original <laughs> guess. It's amazing how, how few... Because really? I looked it up, and I was like, I can't believe that we only had 51 points. How I many... Thought, what did you... Uh, Anton? So, <laughs> I did originally put 57, and then following the, the next question about the points difference, I, I increased that number to 61. Yeah, I put 65. Uh, <laughs> just, well, so, Anton, yeah. gets, Anton gets the point. Just because I, I remember the terrible run we went on towards the end of the season, but we still obviously managed to sneak into the playoffs. We were in we, the midst of that terrible run. I think we lost at Millwall. We lost to someone else. We lost at home to Millwall. We lost somewhere else. Then we lost to uh, Villa, and then I think uh, Mount came back, and we won six one against Rotherham, and yeah. then I think four 0 or something against Bolton. Or okay, something like that. so two two. Uh, so yeah, that's two two. Uh, so the difference therefore is three. Okay, because well, we I, have forty eight points. Yeah. Oh, I put ten, so ten. I get a point for that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, what? How did you actually? Yeah, so yeah you... I put ten. Yeah, I do. <laughs> no, I'm not having this. Look, I'm not having this. <laughs> Look. Look. I've, I've lost. <laughs> 
I've lost on Kutch's poor, poor mathematical skills. Yeah, I'm basically, I told you, I, I got in a right mess at that moment. So I was just like, I'll just leave it. One of them might be right. Surely that's a negative point as well. <laughs> you're, just you're just living idiot. <laughs> right, Kutch, come on then. It's down to this one. I'm going to double the points up for this one, just to, just to keep so it interesting. So it's 3-2 to me. It's 3-2 to should, Kutch. Should we, should we give, up, give our answers? And then yes. Give, yeah, give yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kutch, you so, go first as the leader. What's your... Uh, I put 25,000. Bang on 25,000. Yeah. So I went lower than that. 23,477. Mm. One of you are only 148 out. And it's Kutch, who's oh. 148 out. 25,148 was the attendance yesterday, uh, which gives Kutch a relatively dubious victory from his <laughs> atrocious <laughs> mathematics. No, or you just hedge your bets. I was like, well, if I put 65... Uh, but then whatever. To be it fair, was, to be fair, you would you would have won it on the tiebreaker anyway yeah. with that attendance. Yeah, answer. pretty good. So, attendance, pretty good attendance, guys. Yeah, good well done, well done, Um <laughs> So, <I'm> an idiot. <laughs> thank you as ever for uh, tolerating and joining us. Please do drop us a like, a share, a comment, and a subscribe to keep spreading the good Steve Bloomer word. Thank you very much, Tom. All the best. Uh, a pleasure, Anton. Cheers, boys. See you soon, Rams fans.